You're now listening to We Might Need Counseling. Welcome to another episode of We Might Need Counseling podcast. I'm your host, Dougie Cash. I'm Jovan. Are you ready to rubble Marius? <laughs> and today we have a special episode in store for you guys. We have a special guest, Deontay Wilder, will be joining us. We're really excited to sit down with Champ and talk with him about what he has going on, how he's been staying busy during the pandemic, and what his boxing future looks like. But before we even bring Deontay on, I want to talk to you, Jovan. There's been some big stuff in the news. Dr. Seuss books. <laughs> Dr. Seuss books. But no, I'm not even talking about that stuff. I'm talking about your boy, your goat, your favorite actor, Eddie Murphy, coming to America too. Yeah. We did a special screening on Wednesday. So, Joe, what did you think of coming to America too? What's that? What are you hiding behind your face right now? Exactly. What did you think? Um, I'm a ride or die, man. Like, I love, I love Eddie. He has a special place in my heart. And so did the original coming to America. So I had very, very high hopes. And, you know, you know how it usually happens when you have very, very high hopes? You tend to be a little disappointed. So some things are just better left untouched. I think I've told you this before. I've never met anybody in my life that didn't, from all walks of life, that didn't like the original coming to America. Everybody, like, at least thought it was entertaining and loved it. I'll just say, I don't know if we could say the same thing about the second one. I'll leave it at that. I don't want to say your age, but you're showing your seasoned uh, okay. <laughs> nature in life because you tap danced. That was probably the most political, politically correct answer I've ever heard you give in the years I've known you. I so ride for my boy, so, man. No, no, I see. But I, I intentionally did that because I wanted to make a point. When it comes to Eddie, you are the most biased. But it's not just Eddie. It's Lonzo Ball. Anything that you directly identify with, not sure. you are biased. You can't just say, hey, look, it wasn't good. No, I it can't say it good. wasn't It, no, <laughs> it just no, wasn't no, no. good. I won't say, I'm, no, because I'm not biased. I say things what they are. I never said it wasn't great. But I just said it wasn't good either. You didn't say it was bad either. Yeah, because I don't want to put all that out there. Other people make their opinions. What if they love it? And then I just, oh, Javon's that hater. Apparently, you're not watching or reading the news or the reviews or Rotten Tomatoes or... I don't contribute to any of that negativity. (laughs) (laughs) And he's the greatest of all time, you know? You can still be the GOAT and, you know, make bad stuff. And the reason why I'm, you know, because I don't want to slander either. Like, I'm, I'm a huge Craig Brewer fan. I mean, it's hard to talk bad about a director that was Oscar nominated. Obviously, Eddie and Arsenio and that, and a lot of people in that cast are incredible. But I think that this is another prime example, in my opinion, of why iconic films need to be left alone. Like, everything does not warrant a sequel. I think for me, just the way into the movie, it just didn't necessarily align. I don't want to say it makes sense. It didn't align with the original. Because there's certain character traits in the original Coming to America or the first one that made Eddie's character so special. He wanted to break from tradition of Zamunda and find, you know, someone that he actually loved. And even throughout the original film, if you remember, they were like the sister, Patrice, was trying to like throw it at him. He's like, no, like, because he wasn't about that. So now in the sequel, after you sort of painted this rebellious heir to the throne, if you will, who wanted to go against traditions and and sort of start this new legacy as he sort of ascended to the throne. You want us to believe that he, yeah, it just didn't make sense. It was an innocent hard to 
in the original Coming to America, in its heart of hearts, it's a romantic comedy, but it's a cultural romantic comedy. We're seeing at that time, you know, Black people as royalty, which we, I don't even think I can remember any movies before that. And there was an innocence and charm to Hakeem that we loved. So everybody rooted for him. So to go into this movie and say, oh, yeah, he had a one night stand and hooked up with a girl. It takes away from what you the universe of what happened in that first movie. You know, right. And it's so weird as they were aware of it in the movie. They talk about this, the tale of how Hakeem found his bride in Queens, you know, like they go and make it come off this big romantic thing. Yeah, because it was that was a beautiful story. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, but then all of a sudden we're totally spoiling everything, by the way. But movies out, bro. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. Out. You know, that oh, all of a sudden, you know, he just did a quick left and hooked up with Leslie Jones. It's like, yeah, okay. Right. <laughs> all right. And by the way, look, like I love Tracy Morgan. So I feel like his small agency. No, but when he was, I just love Tracy. I thought Leslie was funny in the role she had. I just, like I said, my, my core fundamental issue with the film was the plot and then just like how they sort of made these characters sort of so far removed from the original. Like, I, like, I didn't even like the wife in this one. I'm blanking on her name. I didn't like uh, Lisa. McDowell. I, I, didn't, I didn't like, yeah. they, they made her so unlikable in that. There's so many characters in it. I think they were leaning so heavily on the nostalgia that they just touched on everyone. Like, okay, remember this guy from this one? Remember this guy from this one? But in the first one, they all those people that were in the movie were interwoven into the story right. uh, seamlessly. So even though you could have made the argument that the first one was just a, you know, a lot of Saturday Night Live sketches with all the different characters, it never felt that way. And this one, it's like, oh, you remember this one? Remember we talked about this one? Remember this? Right. You're almost like, okay, when are they going to put Randy Watson on? When are they going to put the Reverend in? Oh, that's where he's going to be, you know? And it's like, okay, it's fine. You're leaning heavily on the nostalgia. But at the end of the day, every movie needs to just have a good story. And you know what's interesting? I think that is what makes Cobra Kai, and it's not because I'm biased, but that's what, no, makes, no, that's true, that's what makes Cobra Kai so special. Because yeah. they do a great job of sort of leaning into the nostalgia and sort of exactly. working in the 80s and not even all those things that sort of encapsulated those time periods. But the story is really good. Right. And it, it's so good that it has, I don't want to call people fanboys, but people who are fans of the films question wait who was the bully and i just think the way end was just so organically brilliantly done that's why it's doing so well go ahead so let's Sorry, pivot. Go ahead. we have champ coming on right now hold on here we go but yeah you know so i'll never talk bad about anyone or anything i was disappointed because i think you know it's eddie we love eddie and like that film, you know, I know, especially for you and I, that's, that's just it's a special movie. Special film, so, man. Yeah, so for me, that's that's my top that's 10 all time greatest. Yeah, that's yeah my top 10. So I was I was so disappointed. Would you say that that's Eddie's greatest film, the first one? You know what? I would say that is, but here's the thing, because if you think about the film he did with Dan Aykroyd, Trading Places, I think that's an iconic movie. I'm just not sure my younger brothers and sisters, nieces and nephews would have the bandwidth to watch it because the look and feel was just so 90s or uh, whenever it was made. But then you think about, yeah, yeah, but then you think about coming to America, I think everyone loves that. Like my younger brothers, you know, we used to watch it when I was still living on the East Coast and that may actually be his greatest film. Yes, to answer your question, it might be. Everybody I've ever seen 
or talk to them, they all love it. All walks of life. Yeah. It's like, I've never heard of America slander. I agree. But yeah, it is what it is. I mean, hopefully it does well. They make a lot of money off of it. Move on to the next. What do you think about the Dr. Seuss things? <laughs> We're going to talk about that later. I know Yo, I you know what? My, my whole thing is while they're at it and they're trying to sort of do what's right, why don't we actually do what's really important and pressing? Like, let's change the judicial system. Let's change the way we're policed. Let's give reparations. Like, let's actually do things that's tangible. No one cares about Dr. Seuss. But I, <laughs> I oh, applaud the changes and things that they're trying to do to implement change. Let's start on things that are tangible and actually matters right now for us. It's funny because it's like it almost feels like they're like, hey, let's fix these things that don't necessarily matter and no one thinks about. Because I mean, Dr. Seuss has not been relevant, you know, since you know I was a toddler. Dr. Seuss is relevant. Just you're just not a toddler anymore. <laughs> you don't have any kids. <laughs> Dr. Seuss is relevant. <laughs> he just hasn't crossed your path, right? Yeah. Are Seuss. they still making Dr. Seuss books? Uh, they don't make them anymore. They publish them all the time. I mean, you go to any nursery, you go to any school in the world. Dr. Seuss is a great American. Well. Well, Sam, I am like, that's the one that I can remember. I just don't understand it because, you know, you cancel that. I mean, what are you going to do about Mark Twain? I mean, I, and I love Mark Twain, but it's like, where, where does it stop? Mm-hmm. You know, like HBO Max, before you watch Gone with the Wind, they have this huge disclaimer about this does not represent whatever. I'm like, duh, it's a movie. Came out in the 30s. I don't need uh, stuff to be spelled out to me. The audience, we're just so worried about pleasing too many masters right now, man. I'm afraid of where the world is going to me. Right. I feel like we should just do an entire episode that's dedicated towards this. Canceling. Yeah. How do you feel about what's going on with like this cancel culture? It's like the girl that you're dating that doesn't want to tell you how many guys she slept with. You know, it's like, you know, she knows it's a lot more. Correlate that for me. (laughs) She knows how many there's been. It doesn't matter what number she tells you. You know the truth. Okay. And so, but she's going to, just forget about all the different things that she's done and not tell you. And so we're just going to act like that just never happened. Right. Like, like, no, girl, you picked up some tricks along the way. It's okay that you went to the Bahamas when you broke up with your ex-boyfriend and met Lavelle. <laughs> yeah, no, but so I'm trying to understand just because of the times when I want to make sure it's also like asking guys how many women you slept with. All right. It's like asking a guy how many guys he slept with before. Is that better for the times? It might be. Yeah. Oh, okay. There you go. Right. Yeah. yeah. You know, don't be kind of... Um, I'm not interested. You know, it's, a new, it's a new day. This is where I get off the bus. I'm like, all right, my stop's here. You guys can have 2020 and be... Hey, I'm going to save you. So how about the Lakers, man? How you feel? I'll go, you I'll go are, back to the 80s. You guys are three and six with AD being out. So since Anthony Davis went down with injury, the Lakers are three and six. It's March. I worry about it if it was going into the playoffs, but this has been a weird, funky year. I am concerned about Anthony Davis's injury, especially, you know, nowadays that Achilles, it just seems those seem to pop up on all, on all of our favorites. Champ! I think I can hear. Can you hear me? Yes, sir. How are you? Doing good, man. How about yourself? Good. Doing good. Doing good. Happy to have you here, Champ. Thanks for coming on. Oh, man. Likewise. Thank you guys for having me. No, nah, absolutely. I haven't seen you in what? What was it, two years since you came by the office? Right. It's been about that long. And then the things that happened between then, it's been crazy. The world is... The world. Yeah. Now, it's 
Yeah, and it's, and it's funny because a lot of stuff that we were talking about, you were touching on when you were telling us your story a little bit. And it's like all these things have come to the forefront. But now it's like the world has acknowledged it. You know, those who have been in denial for a bit. But I want to say, look, thank you for joining us, champ. You know, obviously, you know, you're a busy guy. You know, I'm sure you with the film. So we don't want to hold you for too, too long. And one of the things I want to say is a lot of times athletes get put in a box, right? Yeah, I forget the reporter's name or the journalist's name. doesn't matter. She told LeBron, shut up and dribble. Mm-hmm. So, so now that we have you, I want to talk about everything except boxing. Right. You know what I'm saying? Because I think that we'll dive into it as we talk. But I think that watching you and your journey and, and sort of this new enlightened, which feels like new because you were probably always on this path. It feels like you have this call to social justice, if you will, for our people. And I would really want to dive into that. But can we start with, because you're from Tuscaloosa, Oklahoma, right? So can we, uh, Alabama, excuse me. Alabama. Yeah, Alabama. <laughs> can we, it's Friday, so you're going to have to work with me. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so can we just hey, dive hey. Dougie, we're not going to have any Alabama slander. You always make fun of me because I was born. <laughs> so here's what I've got. Jovan, uh, you know, I've known Jovan for years. He's one of my best friends. He's like my big brother. Yeah. And as long as I know, you know, I'm from the Bronx. I'm from the East Coast. Jovan has always said I'm from California. And then on the episode, he's like, yeah, I was born in Alabama. It's like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? He don't know about that Southern migration, man. You know, he yeah, doesn't know how that, how that worked out. But I was born in Huntsville. I know that's not close to Tuscaloosa, but it's still Alabama, so. Right, most definitely. Probably about, what, three hours? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Like, yeah. So, Chad, let's do this. Let's just dive right in. So, can you talk to us a little bit about your childhood and sort of how, what life was like prior to you sort of getting in boxing at the age of 20? Yeah, well, you know, I grew up in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Grew up in a household where five kids were four me and my brother three sisters so it's five of us five of us together a loving family you know man it was all good here in Alabama you know how my father raised me how my mother raised me you know my father was always a hard worker you know he always believed in then working hard for what you want that's the only way you're going to receive you know you can't be out here just complaining you want something but you complain, you, you want something, but you not you don't want to work hard to go get it. So instead, you substitute that with complaining about it. You know what I mean? He didn't believe in that. He always had to sing. You do it right, you do it light. You do it wrong, you do it long. And mm-hmm. it's so true. Do If you do things right the first time, you do it light. If you do it wrong, you're going to be doing it all day long. Just like different things we want learn through life experience. You know, sometimes we make mistakes. And sometimes people don't learn from their mistakes. They continue to make them over and over again. I know people like that. But I mean, like I said, I grew up in a loving family. I'm a pastor's child as well. My dad is a pastor. You know, my grandma was a pastor. So I grew up in the church, you know, all my life. My father was very strict, you know. Of course, we represented him everywhere we went because of his reputation as someone being somewhere close to God, if you want to say. (laughs) So certain things that we were shielded, that we was blocked from, you know, music, different music and stuff, you know. I remember a time where my sister, she was listening to Aaliyah, and my father heard the music. It was Aaliyah Rock the Boat, and my dad heard it. <laughs> and, you know, when you were a kid, you know, you don't know the link, Rock the Boat, you don't know what that means, you know what I'm saying? Work the middle. <laughs> <laughs> 
it's like rock the boat. Daddy, he's talking about Noah's Ark. You know, the boat yeah. rocking, you know. <laughs> <laughs> or the story of Job. You know, they had to throw him overboard. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, right. So he, he said, he grabbed the earphones off or whatever. She was jamming and everything. He was like, rock the boat. He said, girl, get that mess off your ear. Talk about rock the boat, rock the boat. If you don't get that up your ear, rock your boat. Man. <laughs> man, it was so, you know, he was that type of parent, you know. You just, about God, you know, my whole family were, you know. So we grew up in that aspect. But it was on the other side where it was a time where every time I walked out the house, I got into fights, you know, altercations and stuff like that, you know what I mean? Sometimes we reminisce, me and my cousins and my brothers, when you're in an environment where it's nothing to do, you know, as boys, we're going to create some shit to do, you know what I'm saying? And sometimes it may not be the right things, you know, sometimes the wrong thing is fun when you won't have no type of structure around you, no type of community that building anything for the children, you know? And it was like that during that time. And he gave me a mind to always know what I want to do in life. You know what I'm saying? Even if things didn't go as planned, I'm still in the direction of doing something. You know what I'm saying? It's not no standstill. It's not no sitting back complaining and waiting on someone to do it for me. You know, and uh, I think that's what Alabama being raised uh, taught me a lot, you know, being in the South. Not only just the, the Southern hospitality, restructuring my mind of the way I'm thinking or, or to how I have to grind even hard. You know what I'm saying? It's harder than ever. You know, and then especially being a black man, you got to go even more farther than just the ethic of working. You know what I'm saying? Because you're going to get judged off of just the color of your skin instead of what I'm capable of doing. I'm great. I'm greatness, you know? But yeah, man, I love Alabama. I always represent it. I always let people know where I'm from. I'm very proud of where I'm from. You know, so many people live in a lie. You know, they live behind closed doors and stuff. And when they go away from their home, it's like they have to carry this burden. They put this armor on and have to be this type of person amongst the peers, amongst the people they are viewing in. And when they go home and close that door, that shit get light. <laughs> the armor come off and now I can be myself. See, and if that's the person that want to do that all the time, I have no problem with that. I just let them understand the freedom of being a person that know who you are, know what you stand for, know what you represent. You know what I mean? Right, 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 that freedom, you know what I'm saying, of being you. That's one thing I always represent. I always tell people, I'm from Alabama, man. Tuscaloosa, Alabama. <laughs> I love where I'm from. I'm just one of those guys I love. I don't care how you say old country. This hell yeah, we all something. You feel me? Right, right. You come from there, you come from there. We didn't choose to be where we're from. So we have to make the best of it. And I love to represent where I'm from. I do it with a smile on my face. Most of the time I'm here. I got homes in many different places, but I love being in Alabama. Can, can, can we just do a round of applause for that humble brag? You got homes in multiple places. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I, 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 I appreciate that. I definitely appreciate that. I read the poem you had that you had put out right after, you know, George Floyd. I love that because that was another side that nobody probably expected that you had in your bag. There is something to be said. It, I am going to bring it back to, I'm a huge boxing fan. That just damn, that's mm. what I, I just in my heart was raised on it. But one of the things that Jovan did say that I want to piggyback on is knowing that you were a PK and you grew up in the church, that actually makes sense because you speak with so much conviction. Yes. And yes. so eloquently in a lot of the spoken word or poems, freestyles, whatever you call them. So, yes. so you can see that foundation of the church within you. 
which is fantastic. Now, let me actually right. growing up in Alabama, like let's not act blind to what racially that area is like, or even was like, I'm sure when you were younger growing up. It, now, when you were coming up, was it segregated? Did you ever have, you know, run-ins with police or just, you know, regular civilians because you were black? Since you sort of become the bronze bomber, has your interactions changed? Growing up, I never had to deal with any type of racism. I knew it existed. It wasn't amongst, you know, my eyes just being in the hood and stuff like that. I mean, we just did what we did amongst the city that we was in, you know what I'm saying, on the west side. So I, you know, as a child, sometimes I try to sit back. Maybe I can't remember certain things, but I think any type of racial things or activity, that's something that automatically you'll come back and remember. And, you know, sometimes I sit back to think about it because I've had that question asked before because of being where I'm from. I can't think of no situation, no time where I dealt with any type of racial situation, you know, not even with the police, nothing. Not even in my adult time, you know. Of course, you got pulled over by the police before. and Those cops didn't want those problems. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I just think, you know, when I look upon that and to not have those experiences, I just think God just helped me. You know what I'm saying? I have a higher being over me that just hold me from those situations. Because my grandma always told me I was anointed by God, that God is trying to use it. I used to get in a lot of fights and... I used to be very angry. I guess I had a quick temper back in the time, you know. Anything would flare me would just, you know, that's when you talk about your mama jokes came out and stuff. You know, you talk about, you know not to talk about Deontay Wilder mom. Nah. <laughs> you say whatever you want, but you don't talk about my mama. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, the champ, that's interesting because it's like you grew up, because, you know, I grew up the same way. It's funny, in the previous episode, something we spoke about. It's like you grow up in a Christian household and people assume or put you in this box. Like, you're just this goody two-shoes. And you, Where mm. do you think that anger and that temper around that time came from? I think it just it circulated from a lot of different aspects of my life, just being a child. It could circulate from being a kid that, you know, I wanted so much, but being that the income that we had, we didn't pull in much for my father then to be able to partaking certain curricular activities or to be able to fund certain activities or have even clothes and shoes. You know, you'll see the kids with all the things and, you know, you have on, you don't have nothing. It could circulate from that. It could circulate from when I was a child coming up, I had to do everything. You know, like I said, you got all these siblings in the house, but it's like my father appointed me a certain job I had to do every day, take out the garbage every day. Most of the time, I had to clean the refrigerator out and clean the tub out all the time. I never understood it. I got to take the garbage to the top of the road, make sure the trash can get it. Like, I'm like, I got another brother, I got sisters in here. I'm the only one doing it every day. You know, that used to really hit me all the time. Like, why? Are you the oldest? I'm the only one. You're the oldest, right? Yeah, I was the oldest. I was the oldest. To come back on it later, you know what I'm saying, and to look at it, at another aspect, you know, because I'm always optimistic about any situation I get in because I always feel there's a reason, you know, for this to happen. And when I look back on that, it just, he already saw that work ethic in me. They already know that when Deontay Wilder, if I was the type of kid that if I had a task to do, if you put me on a mission, I'm going to get that mission done. No matter what the task is, no matter what comes in my way, no matter what trials and tribulations I have to overcome. I'm going to get it done. And I think my father seen that in me 
earlier as a young young child that when Deontay put his mind to something like he gonna get it done. So I was always the one to clean the tub out the cleanest. It looked like Mr. Clean came in that thing. Like <laughs> we were spotless clean. Right. You know, that's why Deontay Wilder always had to be the one to clean the refrigerator out, because he do is the best. He now, clean. Is that where you got the bronze bomber name from? Because you used to bronze the shit out of shit. <laughs> <laughs> That's the real reason behind it. Karate was going to be the bronze bomber before being bronze bomber. Actually, the bronze bomber came from Joe Lewis. He was the brown bomber from Alabama as well. So, you know, your father, basically, it seems like they picked you because they knew they'd get it done right. Exactly. That's what I look back when I go back and reminisce about it because, you know, certain events that went on as a child in your childhood, you just go back to, you know, your mind right, just, right. at least for me, you know, my mind always traveling back and reminiscing, you know, sometimes. Sometimes you get a great laugh out of it. I call my cousin, man, you remember this? Or you remember, and we were just, that a conversation right there. Like, you remember, man, that conversations always be the fires because we always bring up old right. shit yeah. that we did. And it's like so funny. Some of them, you know, not funny. It was like, damn, we was right. dumb right there, though, but. When I was a kid, I used to do everything terrible, so my mama would never ask me to do it again. When you were a kid, <laughs> you'll do everything terrible. <laughs> <laughs> have you kind of done some of the, you know, because you have five kids, right? You, no, I have eight. You have eight, okay. Do you find yourself doing that with your children? Like, okay, I'm getting on them the way I was got on as well. Like, did you pass that torch? Well, it's certain things that I do that my father did, you know. Because, you know, sometimes you do carry on that teaching of how you was raised and then you teach your children the same thing. But I always look at the theory is just because my father did something doesn't mean I'm going to necessarily do it. You know, we're both we have two different personalities. You know what I'm saying? We've experienced too many different things. You know, certain things that I do that he did when we was a child and certain things that I do on my own. Just I've seen different parts of the world more than him. My experience in life has been a little bit greater because I've been able to expand my horizon. So my mind, I tell people my mind is so big that a spaceship could fit in it, you know, mm-hmm. although from a small place, but this don't allow this right here to conquer the world. You feel me? Right. That's what keeps ideas coming. So with that being said, I learned a lot of things. I've seen a lot of different things, read a lot of different things. So in that aspect of me being me without my father, I'm a different person. My mindset is they, I may raise my kids a different way. You know, the things that I do find myself with my kids is different things that he said to us. I said to my children, I allow, I said so much to the point that they repeated back to me. You know, it's just like, what's understood? Don't have to be explained. Let's go here, get in there and clean that kitchen, bro. <laughs> and then, little different little things like that. It's it just like I just said it before, you know, you do it wrong, you do it long, you do it right, you do it light. I use that a lot. By the way, that's not trademark, right? Because I may. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Next show, watch it. You don't have it on his t-shirt. <laughs> I want to sort of fast forward to, you know, because you did get into boxing later than I guess someone else who was probably at 20. So one yeah. of the things you said is you got into a lot of fights growing up. What was the cause for a lot of those things? Like, why do you think people wanted to fight you? Back in those days, I just think the cause was just not having nothing to do. Most of the time, if you want to get a good game of basketball or something, I used to live on, down here, you know, on the west side. I used to go to elementary school called Stemmer Heights Elementary. 
it mm-hmm. was up on the hill, so we called it Stillman, Stillman Heights. So on the hill, so it would be a big playground there where everyone goes to and play, you know what I'm saying? And most of the games was great right there because everybody in all the neighborhoods come there. You know you're going to get to fight. That's just part of it. Yeah. When you up in the hood, it's like you're going to get to fighting. You know, you're going to enjoy yourself at the time, Ben, but there's always going to be somebody trying. Right. And most of the games was dealing with everybody coming together. Or, you know, if you go to the project, you know, you're always going to have good games in there. You know what I'm saying? We'll play football and, you know, we'll be tackling with no pads on and shit like that. You know, hot potato with the football. Right. You just always, the thing about you just going to always fight. You know what I mean? Because especially if you're from a certain area and you coming in this area, you know, you may be, you know, they'll probably let you in and be cool with you for the beginning. And then there's always going to be that point of time where they huddle up and try to team on you. Then, you know, they're like, all right, we got to fight our way up out of here. Unless they already know you got that reputation that you're going to get down and you want to choose your battle wisely today. <laughs> like, were you always, what are you, six, seven? I'm six, six seven. I wasn't six, always tall. When did you get your height and everything? I was the only one in fifth grade that could dunk. I think it was a nine feet goal, though. Looking Basketball back was on bigger it. than me when I was in fifth grade. I'm still waiting for the two man. I remember the only person that could dunk the ball. But I think I really started growing within the ninth grade. I think the ninth, I was like 6'5". And then I carried that all the way through, through high school. After I graduated from high school, I gained one more inch over the summer. Wow. You know what I mean? That came to 6'7". My dad's 6'6". Six, six. I got a brother, he's 6'4". I got a deceased brother, he was 6'6", six, six as well. So Let me tell you something. So when him and Rodney, shout out to Rodney and Chris, uh, you know, who helped me. We get champ on here. When they came into the office, these guys were all six six and up. And I was like, is that part of the requirement to work for champ? You have to yeah, yeah, yeah. Champ, I, I hate to break it to you, but in the fifth grade, you should be the only person that be able to dunk, unless I'm doing something wrong. <laughs> I don't know how many fifth graders are dunking the ball. <laughs> it was crazy. It was crazy. <laughs> it's interesting because to call back to the profound poem that you made regarding that, it's just interesting, like the to choose the path of boxing. Because in my opinion, boxing's so unique. Literally, you're in there by yourself fighting. As it pertains to, you know, we're all Black men on this podcast, the legacy of the Black champions, Black American champions that we have, that stood for hope for us. Going back to, you said, Bronze Bomber, Joe Lewis, like what he did for us. Yeah. And for you to call that back to that, it reminded me of what Muhammad Ali would do. He became so much more than the sport itself exactly. because of his eloquency in the times. For me, I love seeing that because right now it's crazy times. We are getting put in these boxes and stuff. You're the champ of the world and you're an American black champ of the world. Your voice, it means so much to a lot of people. How do you feel about that legacy? You're obviously aware of it. Like, how does that, your approach to you and your profession and and what it means to you? It means for sure, you know, as you can see when I speak, I'm very passionate about it and it definitely goes back to watching my father preach or how passionate he was, you know, over the years and stuff. And I think, yes, that is just instilled in me, mm-hmm. especially when I'm, I'm passionate about something. You really see it come out of me. And when they're dealing with certain situations, with, when, you know, dealing with my people, the systematic racism that we deal with over time and time, you know, being a black man in general, you know, and people really don't understand what that means or what that feel like unless you are the subject it just point blank is because you just you don't understand nothing 
until you go through something. So you can't understand it if you're not part of it. You know what I mean? You just you say that again for the people in the back. Say that one part again, because I don't. No, you can't understand if you're not of that color. You can't understand if you're not of that race. You feel me? It's no way you can compare. It's no way you use your mind as a VR. Sometimes I say only way I can understand people is I use my mind as a VR, a virtual reality. I press play in my head as they, you know, describe and explain to me whatever they want. If you not experienced it or been a part of it, you won't know what it feels like. And you should have a limited what it feels like to go in a store and, you know, even if you have money and still like, why y'all motherfuckers watching me? You know what I'm saying? Or go buy something and they may look at you because of what you look like. You know, certain things I've experienced is because of others. I learned from not only my experiences, but from others' experiences as well. I'm very vocal about that. And I think being on the platform and boxing, it allowed me to be able to have a platform, a stage. Because, you know, as athletes, sometimes we can't say certain things. You know, we don't have a position to say certain things. And even if we do have that platform, it kind of like we're fearful to do so because we don't want to see what the consequences Right. Maybe. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. You know what I'm saying? They make it be my job. It make it be, yeah. you know, and this is how I support my family. So with fear, it allows certain people of certain standards to hold back and be shy or have be blind eyed to it. You know what I mean? Maybe pray and hope it go away. But it ain't going nowhere. <laughs> ain't going nowhere. <laughs> and by me having my platform and be able to be boxing, be a basically an open free sport, like most of the time. You know, you train with a team, but you in there by yourself. Right. You get right. medicals, have to have insurance and stuff like that. You got to get that for yourself. Everything is in this sport is for self. Right. It ain't coming to no team and you got everything right there in front of you. Right. You just pick which agency or pick which people you want to go with. Everything for us is just solo. We solo dolo in this sport. Right. And right. we had to, you know, do it on our own. I'm the one that speak and then I speak for all of us, even in the sport. Because but we know what boxing, man, over the time and the history of time, you know, we've seen all our great black men coming to sports and champions, and they always had to go through something. We can't be good enough for this. Oh, blacks don't sell. Or, right. You know, we don't have the top pound for pound blacks. Or, you know, it's always something to deal with the black man. And that's just what I don't understand. And being able to be so vocal, because my father always told me to be myself and no one else, no matter what. You cannot laugh. It ain't funny. You don't care who you talking to. It can be the president. If you crack a joke and ain't funny, don't laugh. Because you know you have some no fakesters. <laughs> you feel me? Some ain't funny, they just laugh. <laughs> you know, like you just look at it and you're like, man, you know. You know, you know who he cheese or not like that. I just wasn't raised like that. Right. And, uh, you know, and having that platform, I want to speak up. You just never know who's listening. I, you know, I have a lot of people that looked up to me, that followed me, that hit me up all the time, you know, to let me know certain things just because of what I talk about, how I speak freely about it. And I don't shy away from it. You know, I get so much love, man. It amazes me to get certain messages that come in, whether it's on social media or whether someone calls someone, that person that know me to tell yo, tell the champ this. If he come here, he good. Or we got his back. Or we behind him on this and that. You know, it's a good feeling to get those things come in. You know what I'm saying? It allowed me to know that I'm using my platform for the greater good and I'm doing something right. You know, even though I get a lot of hatred to come at me, but when I get a lot of negativity to come at me and stuff like that, you know, 
keep in mind, I'm a private guy. I'm a homebody. I love being at home. You know what I'm saying? I'm very private. But when I feel passionate about something and I want to speak, I make myself heard. I let it be known. You know what I'm saying? I use my social media. Most time I post, sometimes I don't. That's just me. It's just that passion that I, I got to have for this, man. I think I got a job to fulfill, not only just being an athlete, you know what I'm saying, but being someone that inspire people to motivate them to give great hope. You know, I had guys got out of prison and text me and said, man, I've been keeping up with you and I love how you just take care of your kids. You know, I want to be a better man. I love, you know, just the simple things that we do in life that can affect people. And we may not even know it because I, for years, I always looked at myself like, who am I? Like, how can I change them? I'm just doing what I do for my kids because I'm so passionate. I'm passionate about giving them generation wealth. I'm passionate about leaving something behind for them, not just living in the moment of myself and enjoying it. And then later on, like for me, I'm a type of person that I think about my children's presence and their future. Right. So not only are they good right now, but they're going to be straight. If right. something happens to me, anything, I already got it laid down. It's already been done. I got wheels and all. I think about them now. The things that I build for them now, you know, the different places that they have, the different structures that's going on within Wilder's Enterprise, I allow them to understand. When I cook for my children, it's lecture time. I want to understand what's going on in school. How you feel about this? What you think about that? What different subjects? You know, we talk about, you know, subjects dealing with our people and what's going on. I want to hear what they have to say from the three years old on up to the 16 year old. You doing that, you're already breaking the generational echoes, if you will, where parents mm. back in the day were dictators. You know, yeah. they, I never got asked what I thought about something. <laughs> you know right, what I mean? Right, right, so you're, right. you're honestly like, so you're like sort of conditioning your kids to be thinkers and individuals, I think is, is really cool. So let me ask you, because yeah, I know we sort of jumped ahead with, I sort of methodically want to build up to that and, and mm. I hate to go backwards, but let's just do it in a quick manner. So. Who was the person that approached you to say, hey, you thought about boxers? I know you were fighting. Like, who was that person that approached you to say, hey, maybe you should start training? My situation was weird because I was in college during the time. For which sport? Were you playing a sport or no? I didn't pass. I didn't do great on my test to go to a major college, so I had to go to a community college. You know what I'm saying? That was the whole plan. During that time, I had a daughter that was on the way. You know, and it really just made everything change for me when I had my daughter. When I knew that I was going to have a daughter, I knew I had to get out of college. I knew I had to drop out at that time, and I had to do something. It was time to grind, not for real, because it wasn't all about me anymore. Right. And I was just thinking about ideas of what can give me fast money right now without doing the wrong thing. You know what I'm saying? Because sometimes we think about certain things, and sometimes people think, you know, try to do the right thing, but it just, desperate time calls for desperate measures. Family got to eat, so what you going to do? <laughs> you right. survive or die. Right. So they're left with no options. No, I mean, nothing else. Again, that goes when the thing of if you ain't that, if you ain't in that situation, you really, you really won't understand. Know. You know what I'm saying? I thought about boxing because I felt, I was ignorant to the sport. I feel like every fighter that stepped in the ring or on TV or whatever, they made a lot of money. You know what I'm saying? You just don't know. You know what I'm saying? Right. You just see them all shit. They on TV, all these people there, they got to be making some dope. But that sometimes is not the case. Right. You know, with boxing, like with a lot of other things, it's levels. It's levels to it. And you as you progress and continue to win and, and the way you move in it, you can climb rankings and, and different little things like that. You know what I mean? So 
I thought that was the fastest way for me to be able to make money for my daughter because my daughter was, we knew early in the mother's womb that she was going to be born with spina bifida. So, you know, being a young man, I was 19. I didn't understand that disorder or what it would take to take care of a child that has that, you know, but as the doctor described the challenges and the pros and cons of it, I took up on that responsibility. I was ready to take, I was ready and I was willing and able to in that time for her to have a baby. So, you know, during that time I had to put things in line. So it was crazy because I had a good friend in college. We used to always meet up and exchange different thoughts of mine and stuff like that. I told him that, you know, I got a baby on the way, bro. I'm, I got to, you know, drop out and stuff like that. I'm thinking about boxing. He thought it was a great idea just from off the jump because, you know, he done went to high school with me before. And, you know. She knew what them hands do. You know what they do. <laughs> so he thought it was a great idea just off that. So three days prior to us talking about that, you know, just the boxing thing, he had a guy in the local gym that's in the city that where we was from wanted him to box and try it out. You know, he was a tall guy himself. But he wasn't a fighter. He was a lover. I'm a lover and a fighter. Yay. (laughs) 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 So he called me immediately. He like, yo, I got this guy. He trying to get me the box. But we were just talking about it. I like, yo, no, get his number. I'm going to call him. We're going to go from there. So I ended up calling the guy. We ended up meeting somewhere. And then he took me to the gym. Now, you got to keep in mind, I'm like 20 at the time been in Tuscaloosa all my life. You know, we was based off of football, basketball, you know, different things. Right, like, right. even has some baseball, you know, soccer. You don't see boxing. You didn't see boxing. You didn't hear everybody. You didn't, nothing. Mm-hmm. So, when I got up with this guy and he took me to this gym, this boxing gym, Sky Boxing Gym was what it was called. And when I went up in there, man, you ever heard of these things like people hearing heavenly bells? Hallelujah. <laughs> hey, yo, when I walked up into that building, those right. heavenly bells, hallelujah, my ears was like lining it up. It felt heavenly up in there. I could hear the heavy bells thumping. I could hear people on the speed bags. I can hear the boxing talk. You know, I can see the guys in there sparring. I can smell the funk of hard work. <laughs> dedication up in that. You feel me? The love and passion of a recipe the of hunk of hard it. work. I'm putting that on a t-shirt. <laughs> and I felt like I was at the right place at the right time. Man, that feeling of just knowing like, like, dang, this is what you're supposed to be. So, you know, I went up to the guy that owned it was with JD's, which is my longtime trainer. And I told him, yo, I want to box. This is what I want to do. But he see kids coming here all the time saying this is what they want to do, but not knowing what they gonna get. What it entails. You hear me? Yeah. You know what I mean? So at that time, I'm just this lanky guy coming in. You know, he said in his mind, he was thinking the basketball court's down the street because you don't think you're gonna survive in, in in this jungle right here. You know what I mean? That's what he was thinking. But he didn't know I was coming there for a reason. He didn't know that I was one of the unique, just one of the rare cases that God will bless his gym with to walk in there, you know. Sometimes we can be too naive. We can look past, you know, our blessing. Our blessing can be right there at the door, but we can be too busy that it, it passes us by, you know. And for him, 
I was the blessing for the whole gym and, and it really just for the state of Alabama. And because when I came on board, everything was short for me. I, I had the, the limp was coming. It was 2005 when I went in, well, you know, really close to 2006. You had the Olympics trial coming to 2007 and then the Olympics in 2008. So I came up on in the gym at the right time. Not only the feeling felt right, but it was the right moment in time for the different events that was about to occur for the next couple of years. You know what I'm saying? Especially dealing with the Olympics because I knew I was going to turn pro. So, you know, my trainer said he knew he had something in me, you know, because not only was I working hard when he was looking, but what did it for him when I wasn't looking. And he didn't know what I had in me. He didn't know I had a drive, our passion. It wasn't about me. And you were whooping on everyone in the gym, right? All of the people that have been training for a long, you were knocking them all out. Everyone. God's been in there for five years. I'm dropping them. You know, I I only was sparring with pros. My whole mindset was to be a journeyman. And a a journeyman is someone with some to to no experience in boxing. You may have have zero to ten fights. You know, you just get on out there. You just turn pro without no experience. That was my mindset because I was like, I need to make some money for my daughter. So I ain't got time for all that other stuff. And but God had another plan for me, man. And it was it was amazing. I started dropping guys. I started dropping heavyweights in there. And you know, I got a lot of hatred out of that. You know, even in my own gym because guys felt like, damn, I've been here for X amount of years, and I'm still at this certain level. He is months, and he's surpassing. You know, and that's another thing. As our people, we have to get out of the mindset of competition, always competing against each other. Because what's for me is for me. It may not be for you at that time, but keep working, my brother. Keep working, my sister, and do time. You shall overcome right. what you're going through. And, you know, you have so many crabs in the bucket that some of them don't want to see you surpass. And that's another thing called jealousy and envy. But that's in a whole nother chapter. But um, um, you know what they say: hate, jealousy, envy is just admiration unrealized. I made that up. I'm not gonna lie, that was kind of hard. Clap for that. That was kind of hard. That's it. Go ahead, he's a going hype man. <laughs> so you whipping everyone in the gym. You end up uh, whipping everyone to make it and qualify for the Olympics. You whip everyone, and then you win bronze. How did that feel? You won bronze in the Olympics oh, for the United States of America. Man, it was a great feeling, you know, just for the simple fact that where I came from right. and the odds was against me from the time I stepped into there. You know, so now right. I'm dealing with my own people, my own hatred, in my own gym, but amongst the nation of guys that's competing to try to have the same spot as I, you know, you got to understand where well, I had to understand the time frame that I came into it and the importance of the position that I'm, I have to place myself right, in. Right, right. Get this position to become Olympian. First off, competition to get there. I'm talking. I'm fighting guys with fifty to hundred experience, and here I am. Who do I think I am? Coming with ten bouts, twelve bouts, fourteen bouts, competing with different guys all over the world that does this on a day to day basis. You know, some country, hey, that's all they get paid for: eat, breathe, eat that. So I had to really just grind and come up and and to just put it together because my focus was on my daughter. I went from holding a, a dog chain picture of my, cause I had to leave my family. I had to move to Colorado, you know, when I made the Olympics team. Right, right, right. So, I, you know, I had to leave my daughter behind. Although when I, we was getting paid, I would always send money back to my daughter. Right. Always, right. Every time, every time. You know, pay bills. I was still paying bills while I was in the Olympics. So I was still being a parent and a father 
while being in the Olympics and, you know, as a fighter, that's, you know, it's kind of crazy. But all that just being, having the driven from having a dog tag of my daughter to have the, some remembrance. This is what I'm doing for, doing this for. So I can't lose focus. I went from having that physically to just doing a whole nother physical thing or just tatting it on my chest. So I can't lose it. If I take a shower, it's with me. If I'm training, it's with me. Everything with me, you know what I'm saying? Although I have eight kids and, you know, Kids get jealous, so now I had to put everybody on there. You know, put everybody. On. <laughs> it wasn't me like that, bro. Again, I want to be cognizant of your time, so let's fast forward a little bit. First of all, I want to clap for you being yeah because you know that that's a big deal. So, so yo, Dougie, you know, before you go, that's an interesting year in '08 because that was first year Obama was president. Mm. You know, and that was when they did the Redeem Team over in the Olympics as well, when we had just came off of losing into 04. So that's a week, you're just like this, in this bubble of all this greatness yeah. that's yeah. occurring. Yeah, it's crazy, and I might, and if I couldn't, I would like to add that, you know, I was the only Boston Olympian to medal in that yeah. whole year, and I just came out of nowhere. I met, yeah. I made the Olympics team in a year and a half and medal. No one in history in boxing has ever done right. it as I've done it. And to come from where I came from to do it, from a non-boxing state or city, it was kind of crazy. You know what I mean? Destiny. Thank God, boy, it's destiny. Exactly. I want to just fast forward. So you win the bronze. You're whipping on everyone when you're in the pro boxing. And then in 2000, what was it, 2015, you're the champion. You win the belt. And you're, if I'm not mistaken, you were the first champ 11 years. Yeah. You were the first American champ. American champ. That's been the yeah. longest. Of, how did that feel? You're hitting all these milestones. Like, what was that like? It was an amazing feeling. You know, it was like a, a sweet and bitter feeling. The sweet feeling was, it's just like the Olympics, you know. I medaled, I came on a, a mission, and I got a uh, mission accomplished. I didn't get the gold medal, but I seen the politics in it as well, dealing with being just from America. At this point in time, now you're a team, USA against the world, you know. Oh, man, it's crazy because, I, you know, when I think about things, it's crazy. It's like, when I'm on the Olympics team, I'm, I'm representing America. When you're in America, they don't want you representing America. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right, right. Yeah, isn't that funny? Uh, I say, ah, man, you just, it's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy. You know, you, you by yourself, man. That feeling was, was overwhelming, you know, just to accomplish that in a little time in the Olympics and then to go on and pursue my career in the professional rankings. Because that's where I was going to make my money. We really weren't making too much as an Olympian. But here was my journey. Like, now I can really start feeding my child and be able to do the things that I want to do for her to win. And part of that was I had to become the champ of the world, you know, and to start building my legacy finally. And when I did it, it was like I did it. All the criticism, I'm not going to do it or, you know, Berman at that time, at that time, everybody considered Berman as a great fighter. Or, you know, he was well put together, skilled, you know, just beat Chris Ariola. He was a great fighter, you know. When I beat him, all of a sudden, he wasn't a great fighter no more. <laughs> you know, I wasn't nothing anyway, you know what I'm saying? But the man was a great fighter. You made him retire, didn't you, when you beat him? Yeah. What's that? You made him retire, like, a few days yeah. afterwards, right? Well, he went off the grid for a very long time and then came back and got a mandatory spot. From there, it's just history, though. But, you know, our prayers always go out to them, you know, because boxing is a very serious sport. And it can really, you can lose your life in this sport. You know, not, you know, that's the worst that can happen, losing a life. But 
it's a point where you could lose your mindset, your memory, your way of thought, you know what I'm saying? Because you, there's a lot of guys out here that's punch drunk, a lot of guys that can't get it right, and all they know is fight, 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 because they haven't established nothing else outside of the sport, but fight, 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 you know? It's that fast money come in. You get that fight and you get all that money. One right here it is. Right. You know what I'm saying? It's your choice to pay taxes and all that. A lot of them don't have accountants and right. be able to you know, maneuver and, and make right decisions and stuff because it's such a free sport. You have to do it all on your own. It's just all on your own. And I'm sorry. I don't mean it just for the sake of time. Like I said, I don't want to long. Oh, no, no. I want to ask two quick questions and have Joe, and then I really want to transition into the social justice of it all until this day and, and, and the things that you have going on. Why do you think in boxing, right? Why do you feel like its popularity is on a decline when you have guys like you and you have guys like Anthony Joshua and you have, you know, a lot of the, the bigger name people. Why do you feel like its popularity is losing? Do you perhaps think it has something to do with the politics and the judging of matches? It has a lot to do with the politics, you know, of boxing, period. Boxing is a dirty business, man. Some people would say it's a shitty business. It's a great business when you're making money. And mm -hmm. I guess everybody happy when they're making money. It's money-driven. So with that being said, I'm not going to bash my sport at the same time. Although I speak facts of it, it's a monster of a sport. But we're in it for a reason. I love it. I'm in love with it. She a monster of a sport, trust. You hear I say it, trust. Mm. And that's hard to come by, especially building a team because it's money driven. Right. And desperate times calls with desperate measures. And what would you do if you were in a time of a need and somebody offering you something? And you got to always remember, in being jealous, we talked about it. So with that being said, you know, it's a sport that I love and I'm going to continue to do it and show my greatness in it. I got a lot of things that I want to do dealing with this sport and stuff, but the politics definitely plays a, a big part of certain things happening, you know, management, certain management, promotion companies, certain guys don't want that fighter to fight certain guys because they have a plan for that guy. Right. And there's a lot of ways you can maneuver around a lot of things in boxing because of the money, the under the table part of things. And, uh -huh. you know, man, it's a lot goes on, you know, it's a lot goes on. But with that being said, because you can feel your passion and love for the sport. How do you feel about some of these parody fights like the Logan Paul's fighting McGregor or, or you know Mayweather wants to fight Logan like how do you feel about things like that do you feel like it's making a joke of the actual sport or you feel like no you know I love this sport so much you know even though the risk comes with it I love it to death and you know if anyone that has an interest and has a creative idea a way to come in and want to shine light on it you know any type of way then you know I'm all for it, especially if it's making money for them. I mean, if yeah. it's making money, it makes sense. It, it brings, can we, make, can we clap for not being a hater like everybody else? <laughs> oh, for real. I mean, if it's yeah. making money, it makes sense. And if people want to watch it and enjoy boxing, you probably have gained boxing fans because of, you know, these different guys that try to come and do things. You know, I think I wish a lot of, you know, celebrities or something, when they when they are beefing, mm -hmm. to just no, get a bunch of when you get in that ring and you air out that negativity or whatever you have against that person, you just battle it out, man. It makes you like I've released even, you know, no matter what the outcome may be, you know, they should all just get together and just have a, a big boxing match. You know, nowadays is virtual is huge and just have it out, man. Release the energy no matter what happens. Yeah. We lose a draw. 
you released it, and y'all go about your lives and create. Ain't gonna make a song about it. You know what I'm saying? Or it's so many different things that we can do, especially with dealing with boxing, that can make the world a better place. You know what I'm saying? And things like that can happen because people would love to see certain people in the ring. I'm like, I love to watch that now. True. Right, right. You know what I'm saying? So it's only sharing love. That's how I see it. You know, a lot of people have their opinion about it. And I don't think it make a mockery of the sport. I think it's enlightening it and enhanced it. It just dresses it up a little bit. And people using their creative mindset to use the sport to, you know, to make a living, I guess. No, but what were you going to ask before? No, no, I was just going to say it's interesting because he's, you know, right. Like, you know, I, like I said, I've been watching boxing forever. And, you know, boxing's so old. You know, mm. it's just, it's so old, you know, and, and for the longest period of time, being the champ, it's literally one dude. You're, I mean, for a longest period of time, you're the champion of the world. Who can say that, that you're the number one dude of the world and you've been that. And obviously you tell where you come from. Like, I commend you for that. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Cause that being the number one spot for our people who always been told that we're disenfranchised, that we ain't nothing mm. to be the best in the world when, across the world i commend you for that and i love that part of me is proud of that. of course i can't fight but you know <laughs> <laughs> but you know uniquely is your right hand and i've watched them all mm. i've never seen nothing like it you know i really haven't kid dynamite mike tyson had it in both hands but the way that you can just stop a truck in the middle of a fight right with, with their right hand did you always have that power in that hand did you always knew you had that I always had strength, period. You know, I was always that kid you couldn't really figure out, you know. It's just like as an adult now, people can't figure me out. You know, they can't really just figure me out. They don't know what type of person I am, you know, what I do. You know, a lot of people think, you know, because I box, that's what I carry with me home and stuff like that. But I've had many people that I've been around that they mouth drop because I'm a totally different person than the athlete or who I am. It's just certain things that I speak about and stuff like that. And I'm sure, too, because physically, if you think about how you look, like you're tall, you're six, seven, yeah. kind of yeah, skinnier compared to like the shorter, stockier Mike Tysons of the world. So they're right. like, where the hell exactly. did that power come from? Exactly. Like, this, is from, this is from the heavens. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You know, that's what I was about to get into. Sometimes we go out for how a person look and we already are, oh, nah, you know. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, but I've always been that strong kid, you know, just because I didn't look it doesn't right. mean. It wasn't there. I got a lot of people just uh, call for the, su the surprise, you know, the suspicion of not being able to do something. And they get surprised that when I've done it, like, damn, he's just like the body. I'm stronger than what I look like. And right. when he right, cries, right, right. like, dang, you stronger. Right. Like, they understand it. But I've always had that punch, though. Always had it. He's like, yeah. I didn't look it, but they damn sure felt it. Those are the ones you got to watch out up. for. It. You know <laughs> So my, my second part of the question we talked about a little bit with, obviously, UFC is a big in competition. It's combat sports. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm not the biggest UFC guy, but obviously that's gained popularity. Mm -hmm. Do you think it, that it's because of the maybe the infrastructure? Because, you know, they have a league. Everybody has to fight everybody in UFC. Yeah. That's just kind of how it works. Would right. you like to see that in boxing? Would you like to see that boxing guy would incorporate a league where everybody has to fight everybody? Or is it better for you the way it is? I love that they have that structure. They got one guy that's running everything. He dictates it all, you know, and to have great shows and to give people what they're looking for with great matches, you know, you got to set the right, you know, matches up, what people want to see and not wait it and drain it out for years and years. And then they right. find like, people want to see people in their prime. 
by them having that governed body of the, uh, under one man, you know, it makes it better for them. The best is going to have to fight the best. And I would love to see that in boxing because, you know, that's one of the things that I tried to change up, you know, coming as a heavyweight. I wanted to fight the best of the best. I don't shy away, you know, from that. I don't shy away from a fight at all. I love this. And if you love it, then why would you not want to do it? I want to get, you know, for me, because of how I came up with nothing, you know, and everybody got their own little, they got their own story of how they came up with nothing. But, you know, my story of coming up with nothing, you know, by having nothing, and it makes me work even harder to do what I need to do, you know, and I understand the structure of money and not having it. So as a paying customer, as a, whether you're coming to, witness the fight in person or at home, it's still fun coming out of your check. And that's gonna, that's something that you got to put where this is to have fun account that I got to take out of that. Because that look, the little amount that some people, $100 or $69, that could be the stretch of paying a bill or a mortgage or something. And to know that some people risk that, they're like, man, I got to watch Wilder because of who he is and what he stand for and all that. Or, or he got a strong punch or whatever they want to watch, man. I take that in consideration, just the smallest thing, because I've been there. I've been in that family household where bills cut off for months and months and you don't have, like, I know what it feel like. So for me to come from that point, I think about that. And for me to do that, I want to fight the best. If you're going to pay for me, I want to give you the best that you can you can pay for and you feel like you got your money's worth. So I would love for that, you know, the structure to happen. But will it happen? I doubt now, that. With all the politics. So yeah. Chad, let me ask you a question. And now I want to sort of transition to your social justice journey. You know, you think about guys like Jack Johnson and Joe Lewis sort of being the face of the Jim Crow era. You think about Ali, you know, the Vietnam War and him damn near losing everything. But, you know, now you're funny. In 2021, he's like loved by all. For everything but boxing, you know? <laughs> What was that moment for you where you felt like I have to use my platform to help my people? Like, what was it? What was that moment? That, you know, just getting into boxing, you know, it's always, I always felt like that what I would have to do, you know, just be a voice and speak up for my people, gather their attention. And by me being able to knock guys out, especially drop everyone on the canvas that I fight. You know, they hit the canvas at some point in time. That was people want to see when they come to see boxing. You know, I gather their attention that way as well. And then when I speak my piece, it's just like, it just flows from me because I'm so passionate about the topic. And it's like, I see it go on in real time, in real life, and how certain people just ignore it. Even my own kind is like, the work is never done. Like, you got to continue to stress and force and speak and preach, continue to stress for people. Because if we go silent, hey, just stop talking about it. It's not going to go away. What do you mean? Stop talking about it. Nothing has ever been done by being silent. Things have been changed by speaking and being active in your speaking and preaching. And, you know, I love that I'm a man that's brave to, to use my platform for that because I'm so passionate. I mean, look, I love my people, man. I love them. I love my people to death. I love who I am. I love where I come from. And I love the race that I am. I love the skin that I am, that I'm in. It comes with a lot of consequences. It comes with a lot of sacrifice. It comes with a lot of ups and downs, a lot of trials and tribulations, a lot of upsets, a lot of disappointment. But through it all, all my good days, I weigh my bad. So with that, it don't leave me with no complaints. So with that, I'm going to continue to fight for my people. I'm going to continue to be passionate about it and speak out. I have a social media, a platform, a following to do so, you know, and I even have the people 
behind closed doors, you know, away, you know what I'm saying? To know when I need you, I can pick up that phone call and call and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, it's just amazing feeling because, like I said, I got in this sport just because of my daughter. I didn't expect nothing else. And to be able to do the things I've done and to come up and to even be an even bigger figure than what I expected, you know, I got the world on my shoulders. You know, back in the time, it was when you was the heavyweight champion of the world, you was the biggest name in the world. You can check the president, people still fuck with you. And I think that title holds a lot of weight, people seeing that, because, you know, it shows how brave you are each and every time you're going to fight. And if you have a man that's fighting, not only, you know, in the ring of entertainment for our eyes to see greatness and to, to see black history on the outside for justice for us and, and to speak up as well. And I think that holds a lot of weight for people. Many people cry about that. And for the life of me up in this sport until I, like to the life of me, I'll forever have my people back because everybody else has their back, had their people back. And that's for sure. And I feel and like I, the most powerful moment, Champ, was when you were doing a press conference. And I'm not going to say the person's name, mm. but he asked you, you know, how do you feel about blah, blah, blah. He's like, for my people, it's your people too. And yeah. I think that was the moment for me outside of boxing where you mm. landed on my radar because mm. I felt the pain, the passion. And I don't even want to say the anger, but the hurt in your face. Like, how can another man who looks like me say, and it felt like he was doing it for sound bites, yeah. right? And it's just like, that was the moment for me. I don't even want you to respond to that. I want to talk about till this day, because I want to talk yeah. about that profound spoken word poem that you did on your, your Twitter and Instagram, which was powerful. I was like, he may have a Korean rap. Uh, <laughs> like the reincarnation of Tupac because I felt everything you said. So t talk to me a little bit about what Till This Day is and what are you trying to do with that branding? To this day, it means a lot of different things. A lot of people take to this day to the end just of what we're, we're going through. And to this day, you know, you can labor to this day on a lot of things. I love pizza to this day. You know, uh, any little, you know, we're strong to this day. You know, to this day symbolizes what we go through on a daily day to base and and to this day it is occurring and we must continue to show our greatness we must continue to fight we must continue to be to have a voice in this fight you know to this day and we're going on we're great to this day you know so it means a lot of different things for me for my my people when i wrote the poem Actually, me and me and my my wife wrote it together, though. Mm -hmm. like can, we, can we give him a round of applause for actually giving credit to someone else and not taking all the credit? Like a lot of people are doing history. That's my baby, but yeah, it was happened because I was like sitting in my office and she was sitting right across from me, and it was like all this stuff going on with police brutality and stuff. You seen the George Floyd, and when you watching these videos, yeah. Even though you ain't kin to that person, you don't know that person just because he your skin color, man. It just Feel it, yeah. And to see him beg and plead, you feel me? It just do something to you. You like you want to do something, but it's like having that feeling you can't do nothing, but you want to do something. What you can do, you know, at this moment in time, until the time, you know what I'm saying? I was just tell. I told her, babe, I got to say something. You know what I mean? I was so passionate, just saying, I got to say something. I just started writing from there, and I started getting pieces together. And I said, "What you think, baby?" Boom, boom, boom. And then she was like. Oh, that's nice. Then you should. She started putting some verses together. Mm -hmm. And then I started piecing out for her verses to put together. I like, oh, yeah. I started saying some verses that I saved on the side, 
you know what I'm saying, on the side and then came back and then grabbed that side and came back because she came up with another verse that matched that shit that I put on the side of. So I behaved <laughs> no, no, that it worked out so beautifully. We did it together and it came out beautifully where I shot it at. It's a historic road. It's an old World War II road. Well, that road used to lead from Alabama to Tennessee. At the end of that road, right now it's a big lake. Now it's covered with water all around. At the end of that road, it's 1800 grade where you had a tree in the middle where it separates black and white. And that tree is no longer there because of, you know, the weather mm-hmm. during the time tornadoes and stuff it to it part. But the graveyards are still there. And I go visit at times and to see the structure of language barriers that they had, they pieced them together is mind blowing to see it, like they really had no education or knowledge of certain things. And they, you can tell they gathered words along their lifespan of them together and they pitted together and stuff like that. And then you had the white side, had that tombstone. It's pretty cool. So not only did the, the video has a meaning to it, but the area that I'm in, slaves ran through that, you know, all the way through. I always say when I, I love nature, I love being outside and stuff. And I always talk to the trees and stuff because we all breathe in the same oxygen. That's why we have 28, we share 28% of it. I always say, if I could see what the, what the trees have seen, mm-hmm. man, the things that you will see. When you talk, you have this rare thing that a lot of people don't have. When you talk, I genuinely feel what you're saying. And I'm not just saying that. So that's a gift. I personally have two more questions. Jovan, go ahead and then, and then we'll, we'll Let's no, I was just going to say, man, you're profound, oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> and I love that, you know, I'm, I'm loving that you got a chance to share that with us mm-hmm. because I want people to know more about this, about you, about how gregarious you are. How You've been boxing for 12, 13 years now, right? Like, so it's been a while. You know, how many punch drunk boxers can't do what you're doing right now and speak exactly. the way you, you've been able? And so that's a blessing, man. And, yeah. I, and I'll obviously continue to root for you for everything you do. I want to thank you. Thank you for being you and being authentically you. I uh, appreciate that, brother. I really, really do. And, and I know I keep saying for the sake of time, we family in my mind. I told Rodney, right? So I was like, we're going to get you back because I, I want you in studio because I definitely want to dive into a little bit. You know, I know you sort of recently found out what tribe you're from and you sort of been going on that journey, you know, but that's a longer conversation. So I definitely want to talk about that at another time. But I want to ask you two more questions before we let you go. The first one is, you know, you are 35. Right. God only knows how much time you have left to box. What's next for you? Next for me, you know, I got a lot of different things going on, you know, even outside of boxing. You know? I mean, top two. What's the top two things you want to attack when you when you're uh, I'm big. I got a nice portfolio in property and real estate. I own some major commercial properties, residential properties, plazas. I got land and properties is, is, is a big thing for me. That's one of my focus. I'm doing a lot of scuba diving. I'm a certified scuba diver, me and my wife. So we like going to different islands and, and discovering the underworld. I'm actually thinking of creating a treasure diving team, a bomb squad treasure divers. That'd be hard. You know what I'm saying? I know some guys, some travel, uh, you know, I keep up with scuba diving a lot. It had some guys in Florida found some treasure and it was worth $400 million. <laughs> Florida tried to sue them for it. Yeah, but sign you- me up. I, I'm, I'm in. <laughs> scuba yeah. I'm in. Yeah. <laughs> I'm in. I got my brother and my dad. I'm training them, you know, and okay. I'm gonna get them certified too. And so, because I'm really yeah, serious, I got a lot of different things outside of boxing right. that I'm doing for me, you know, in the future. Like I, I've already got into it a little bit, but acting is one of my passions. Oh, yeah, we, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Myself doing acting, 
I got great ideas of movie writing. I got this. I we got this movie in my head right now that I want to write about. Well, offline about that because I remember we met before. But I want I want to hear about that stuff, like especially because yeah. I I can actually see you transitioning into that same way. The rock I can see you doing that because you just have that presence. Yeah. But you just have yeah. that yeah charisma. Last question: A hundred years from now, how do you want Deontay Wilder to be remembered? A hundred years from now. When people sit back and reminisce about Deontay Wilder from Tuscaloosa, Alabama, <laughs> I want them to do what I'm doing now. When they say my name, smile. When they smile, I want them to have that feeling deep in their heart like he was a great man for us. He spoke up for us. He stood for us. He accomplished so much in his life. You got Jovan crying. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> this guy I'm light-skinned, man. You know, it happens crying. sometimes. <laughs> That's what I want people. He was a, a man that was, you know, misunderstood and just love. I want people to give me my flowers now, though. I don't want to wait till 100 years to get no flowers. I want them now. But I just want them to know that I was a passionate guy that loved his people and wanted to, I love all people. just wanted to provide my greatness because everyone has greatness for greatness is only determined by service. Say that again, because I'm going to steal that, too. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> greatness in them um i tell you what i don't know if the service i don't know if he lost signal or not but hopefully he logs back in but i tell you what that like like when he speaks he has this yeah, conviction and you you feel everything he's saying i can only think of one person that had that and that was tupac you know, for me, it's not just it, it would pop as, as Ali was like that. I've told you this before privately of the importance for us as black people, how much weight we've put on, you know, our idols mm -hmm. and, and whether it be athletes or, you know, actors or singers and things of that nature. Mm -hmm. You know, he's in that rare category. How many the people that are in his category? Look at Ali Tyson. I figured. OK, yeah, because I, I was like, we can't we can't get rid of him like that. We, we got to make sure. No, Chip, I want to do this. If you have the link, because we can't let you go like that. Like, I need, I need, you know what I'm saying? Like, like, we need two more minutes. So if you can, just jump on your phone and, and we'll wrap it up. And I appreciate you. No, but all I was saying is, is that, like, to see him make the most out of that. Because, you know, it's, it's that passing of that torch we always talk about. There's so much more to him that the audience needs to know. The world needs to know. I, it's dope that he was on here today. This was a good pool, brother. You yeah, know, I tell you what, I'm more proud of you. Oh, thank you, man. And it's because, and you're going to think I'm trying to be funny, but I'm not. As long as I've known you is the background that you have, he's always been really shy about. But the fact that like you're in break, like because that's remember what Champ said. It's like a lot of times we go out and we put on this vibrato. We put on this character of who we are. We come home and we take it off because we feel like we're ourselves. And I feel like you are starting and I've, I've actually literally seen your growth as long as we've been rocking. And it's like, you're starting to get so much more comfortable in Jovan. So I want to just give you a round of applause for that. I know you think I'm being funny, Appreciate but that. I'm not. Is that Scoo back there clapping too? That's Scoo. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Happy belated birthday too, Scoo. Did he hit you up on your birthday? Yeah, he did. Okay, I'm about to say, come on. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. No, no, man. But like, you know, I, I think, well, we all know we've been dealing with this big pause button called COVID it is a time to reflect on who you are and being comfortable with who you are and being happy with who you are because mm -hmm. we don't know what the future has. So, you know, you yeah. just got to do you. But yeah. no, that's dope, man. It's super, super dope. Like, yo, he's got a lot more to him. I didn't, I wasn't expecting scuba diving. 
No, that's interesting. But if you look at his, if you look at his IG, he does post quite a bit of pictures um, with the Scooby gear on or, or what have you. So, Could you imagine finding that like treasure, like that four hundred million dollar? I can, I can. Yeah, I know, right? I can. You know, you got to, you got to believe it, and then it'll happen. I'm on back. Yeah, yeah you back. Yeah, we can't let you go like that, champ. So, so, so. <laughs> go get the charger. So yeah, you were saying you want to, like, honey, years from now, you want people to remember Deontay Wilder with a smile and say he was always for his people, right, wrong, or indifferent, yeah. whatever. You know, he genuinely mm-hmm. cared for, stood up for, and spoke up for his people. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I can think of one other person that's an athlete that is doing what you're doing, and his name is LeBron James. So you're in good company. Yeah. So I want to give you a yeah. yeah. I, I want to say thank you so much for jumping on. Hopefully you did get some form of flowers from Jovan and I. You know, I want you to know you're appreciated, your passion, unparalleled. And I'm not just saying that. Like, I genuinely meet that. And everyone knows, you know, I have this thing in me called contrarianism. I made up another word. I do that every episode. I'm a contrarian in some regards. And I usually don't care for a lot. But it's like, you know, you really are, when you sort of step outside the ring, you get to sort of dive into the mind of Deontay. You're a fascinating person. And I genuinely hope you understand the power you have with your voice box. Yeah, so, yeah. You know, and I want you, and I pray that you continue to use that more because I'm telling you right now, when you speak, people will listen. Because if you get me to listen, right. you know, I'm not fake. If I, sometimes people are I genuinely fit. And, and I was telling Jovan when we lost you, I can think of one other person like that, Tupac. You, know? you were dropping gems, man. I'm going to take a funk of hard work with me in everything that I do, you know? And I appreciate you, fellas, so much, man. I, I, I appreciate that, Dougie, what you said, bro. You know, I hear a lot of things, and, you know, it's always when I hear a fresh face, you know, when you guys tell me things, you know, even just the listening part of it, I appreciate that, you know, because it can get what people talk, and you just like, you know what I'm saying? Acknowledge that for me, you know. It, it let me know that I'm in the right place. It give me confirmation each and every time, you know, that I hear it, you know what I'm saying? I'm not a person that like, I know, I know, I know I hear it all this. No, I take it in. I embrace it. I appreciate you. You guys, man, I love you black men. And man, I'm continuing to do what I do. You know what I'm saying? Because this is me. This is my love and my passion. And I just want to see us in a place. I can't even tell you the description of how I feel. It's just, I want to see us where I'm feeling. And it's a beautiful feeling. Right. Well, thank you so much for, for one, more obnoxious, one more obnoxious question. Can we get a bomb squad just for the just for the culture? <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> Love it, man. Hey, I appreciate you coming through, man. We can't wait. Once all this uh we get this things lifted and everything, we gotta do something in studio together. You yeah, know? most definitely. You know, hey, y'all got my number, y'all know how to reach me. So I'm definitely down for it. I think it'll be a great thing. But right. till then. Love, peace, and God bless, brother. I'll God talk bless, to you all later. All yes, right. sir. Let's do the Wakanda. You know what I'm talking about? Yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> all right, champ. All right, brother. Peace, all man. Right, peace. Do you have any last words? No, nah, man. You got it. Hey, look, special thanks to champ. I think if there's any takeaways that, you know, you should sort of, uh, any gems, always try to be your true self. Don't put on facades for people. And don't be scared to lose your livelihood for speaking up for what's right. And I'm going to just leave it like that. This is another episode of We Might Need Counseling. I'm Dougie. I'm Jovan. Good night. Thanks for listening. 
Be sure to rate and comment on Apple Podcasts and visit our Facebook page at WMNC Podcast. You can also find the guys on Instagram at Dougie Cash and at Jovan underscore WMNC. Also, a big shout out to Studio Pod Media, Nodelab, and the Network Studios. Until next time, bye.